to be with you this evening. Thank you so much indeed for coming along and also to thank Pastor Bowles. Uh, Pastor Bowles and I know each other very well. To me he's Philip, but also to me he's Ulster's Jim Reeves. I always call him the Jim Reeves of Northern Ireland. But it's lovely to share with him this evening and we thank him for coming. And you know, I was just thinking this today when I see Pastor Craig and Pastor Bowles. It's lovely to know that we've got young men following after us. I was counting up their ages today and I couldn't believe the age gap between these men and myself. I realized that I'm the old man. And uh, when I was their age, men like Ivan Thompson, Sam Workman, they were the senior men to us. And it's hard to believe I'm the senior man to them men. And I'm only a couple. <laughs> but we put it back and I thank God for these young men. And thank God that God is raising us young men who are faithful to the blood and faithful to the earth. Now, well, let's find another wee word of prayer just before we preach to God's word tonight. Our Father and our God, we just thank you tonight that this is still the day of grace. Thank you, Lord, you're still coming. And we thank you, Lord, there's still time and there's still opportunity, Lord, for the unsaved to come home. We know, Lord, for any that will come to thee tonight, they will be met with open arms, arms of love, arms of mercy. And we pray tonight that now as we just settle down to hear your voice, that, Lord, indeed, that you will bless, we pray. Speak through thine own word tonight. May your word penetrate the deepest heart here this evening. And we pray that you'll draw them out in, in repentance and faith. And the Lord, tonight, this will be the night when they will pass from darkness into light and from death unto light. And we pray for the glory and for the honor of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I want you to try to read the John's Gospel tonight, and we're in chapter 3. John's Gospel tonight, and we're in chapter 3. The Gospel of John, chapter 3. Now, as you're finding the place tonight, I wonder did you know this? Or did you ever think about this? You know tonight, you can be so religious and still not right with God. You know, Northern Ireland tonight is filled with religious people. Religious, but not right with God. And you can be so sincere tonight, sincere in your faith, sincere in your beliefs, and yet not seeing. You can be so religious but not right with God. You can be so sincere tonight. But not seeing. You can be honest tonight, so honest, but still not heaven bound. 
I know a lot of religious people today. But they're not ready. I know a lot of sincere people today, but not saved. I know a lot of, a lot of honest people today. But they're not heaven bound. And if you know today, there are many people who sit in their churches and they believe with all their heart that they're going to heaven. But they're not. They're not. A lot of religious people think they're going to heaven, but they're not. A lot of sincere people think they're going to heaven, but they're not. A lot of honest people think they're going to heaven, but they're not. Is that true? We're going to look at a religious man tonight. We're going to look at a sincere man tonight. And we're going to look at an honest man tonight. And we're going to have to hear what the Lord Jesus says to him. Now we're in John's Gospel, chapter 3. <clears throat> And we're beginning to read at verse number 1. Now John's Gospel chapter 3 and verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. And the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh. And whether it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen. And ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, 
that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not on him is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And we end there tonight, and we know, we know that God will bless that public reading to our hearts tonight. There is a religious man who didn't know the truth. There's a religious man who had to be told the truth. Did you listen to what the Lord Jesus said to him? Let me tell you what he didn't say that a whole lot of people believe. The Lord Jesus didn't say to him, except ye go to church, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. He didn't say, except ye be christened as a wee baby, you'll not get into the kingdom of heaven. For many a lot of people believe that, oh, I was, a, I was christened as a wee baby, Mr. McConnell, you know. And I was told on that day, I was made an inheritor of the kingdom of heaven. Who told you that? For I'm still certainly not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say to this religious man, except you live a good life, except you do good things, except you live uprightly. Jesus never said any of these things that people believe that's going to get them into heaven. So many people that believe things, accept things, that's not even true. Listen to what Jesus says. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You may say, hey, you see this born again business. That's brethren talk. That's not this Presbyterian. That's the Baptist talk. Listen, let me tell you, friend. This is the Lord Jesus talking. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus on this occasion was told the greatest message that any could fall on any mortal ear. Pastor Craig prayed the very text that I'm going to preach on tonight. He didn't have he hadn't a clue what I was going to preach on. And he prayed the very text. Do you know what the verse God wants to speak to us through tonight? The 16th verse of John 3. What does Jesus say in this verse? He says, for God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, I just simply want to preach tonight on God's great gospel. It's not man's gospel. It's God's great gospel. And I want to talk tonight about the three gospel greats 
in God's great gospel. You know the world talks about its greats, the football greats. George Best was a football great. You take Pete, another Maradona was another football great. And of course we can't forget about this, the genius himself. Kelly was a football great. You didn't think I didn't know any of their names. But you know, friends, something about the world's greats. Them men were football greats in my estimation. Them men were geniuses in their field, in their day. But the world's greats come and the world's greats go. But I am going to preach tonight on the three gospel greats of all time. And they're still great and they will always be great. And they're found in this one verse to me. You know, I want to talk to you first of all on the first gospel greet of all time. It's in the opening rephrase of that 16th verse. For God so loved the world. You know what that is? That's the gospel's great mystery. The greatest mystery of all time. That God could love this world. This world of wickedness. This world of sinfulness. This world of evil tonight. I often wonder how God could love this world. People would say, you know, I believe God has turned his back on this world. That's why this world is the way it is. That's why there's so many disasters. God has turned his back in the world. That's why there's so much evil in the world. Because God has turned his back on the world. Let me tell you, friend, tonight. The reason why our world is the way it is tonight is not because God has turned his back on the world, it's because the world has turned its back on God. Maybe, friends, tonight, that's how you live. You live with your back to God. You don't give God a second thought. God never comes into your mind. Only in difficult times. Maybe a wee child said, oh, when you think about God then, I will start praying to God. And then as soon as God hears your prayer and answers the prayer, what do you do then? You forget about God. But the real mystery is to make friends. The gospel's great mystery, greatest mystery, is for God to love this world. But you know, friend, it becomes more personal than that. Because in the fifth chapter of Romans, Chapter 8. We don't read this coming. We, we read this in Romans 5. In Romans 5, it doesn't say God commanded his love towards the world. You know what it says in Romans 5? That God commanded his love towards us. Towards us. And if you read Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, it gets even more personal because it says the Son of God who loved me 
and gave himself for me. God so loved the world. God commanded his love towards us. The Son of God loved me and gave himself for me, friends. You see, that's the greatest mystery of the gospel today. The greatest respect that God could ever set his love upon us. You know, there's times I often ask myself, and I often pray in a sweet prayer, Lord, what was it about me that you would love me? Because I can see nothing. And you know, friends, me, there's nothing in any of us that can give God any reason to love us. He loves us tonight because that's the heart he has for us. Many years ago, I was preaching in a church in County Tyrone. I was filling in. And after the meeting, just like this meeting, they had a wee cup of tea. And a Tyrone man and a cup of tea go hand in hand. That's why I never, in any rush, out of here after the meetings. But there was a, a couple in this particular church and they told me their story but they were very reluctant in how they told me their story. Because you see, the fella grew up into his almost early thirties and he really didn't bother with girls. Until, until this English lady about his own age landed to live in their part of the country and went to his church. And to be honest with you, she was a real beauty. And what happened to me is like what happened to us men, he was smitten. And you know what it's like men when you cast your eye on that lady for the first time? You nearly think you're taking a heart attack, but it's really, you're falling in love. Well, this fellow fell for head, head, hook, line, and sinker. And as I said, he never really bothered with yours, but by the time he fell head over knees with this one. And he plucked up the courage, and he said, can I take you out something? And to his surprise and to his pleasure, she agreed. And man, you thought all his dreams came together in one night, she said yes. And both of them headed out together, started a relationship together, a courtship together. And then, and then he caught the question. And he asked her, would you marry me? And to his surprise again, she accepted. And then this Saturday, I knew the conversation was perhaps maybe changing a wee bit. On the Saturday, they were heading down to Hillsborough to look about an engagement ring. And any young curtain man in here tonight, if you're going to take that girl of yours to get an engagement ring, make sure you've got your money in your hand. But as they were heading down the Dremore carriageway, 
he was. That she was very quiet. She wasn't herself. And the, come on, the closer they got to the hills for a turn off, he noticed a tear in her eye. Is everything all right now? No, she says, to pull over the room. And then she began to break down properly. And he hadn't a clue what was wrong. He thought she was going to call it off. She didn't want to go through with it. But then she told him. She said, you know, I cannot go into marriage with you or anybody with a secret and a burden that I'm carrying. She says, before I became a Christian, I worked as a prostitute. And if you know what prostitutes do, well then you know what I was like before I became a Christian. And it's now because I became a Christian that I moved over here to get away from all the memories. And if you don't want to marry me now, I understand. Both him and her sat and they wept in their car. And she says, if you want to break it off, I understand. But you know what he did, friends? He just took her by the hand. And he said, listen dear, in spite of what you've done in the past and who you've been with, I still love you. I still love you. And today, as far as I know, they're as happy as anything. I haven't seen them in years. And you may say to me tonight, but George, why did you tell us that beast story? Let me tell you why. No matter what any of us in this meeting tonight has done, and I mean done, and there's people in our land done terrible things over here. And in spite of what people have done tonight, the message from God is still the same. I still love you. And that's what God still says today through the cross. I still love you. That's the mystery of the gospel today. 
God knows me. Unsafe friend, God still loves you. You mightn't have got up to the sin that that young lady did many years ago. You mightn't have let an alcoholic drink through your lips or sucked on the old devil's dummy tip. You ever see the devil's dummy tip? There's a fool sucking at one other and a, a fireborn at the other. And maybe you say to me, I'm not like that. Listen, friends. God still loves you and you still need to be saved. You're still a sinner in God's sight. Because we were born in sin. And because we were born in sin, that's why Nicodemus was told, you must be born again. You know, you're a loved sinner. Don't get me, don't get that wrong tonight for goodness sake. You're a loved sinner. Ah, but you must remember there's another side to the gospel point that tells you tonight you are a lost sinner. You're loved, but you're lost tonight. And if you don't have Christ in your heart, and if you're not saved, and there never has been a day when you're dependent and come to Christ, you are on your road to hell tonight. Now that's not nice to say, but needs to be said to me. And there's no excuse why to make you shoot though, because God has done everything to try and stop you and to try and save you. Because he loves you. Now that's the gospel's the gospel's great mystery. The greatest mystery of all time. But in that verse you don't have the greatest mystery of all time. You have the greatest moment of all time. Why? It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his only begotten Son. Our friend, that was the greatest moment of all time. When God gave his only begotten Son. In this, First John 1 night, in First John 4 night, in this is manifested the love of God towards us. How? God sent his only begotten Son into the world. God sent his only begotten Son into the world. Why? That we may live through him. Real love doesn't hate love. Real love always gives Always gives. The gospel isn't all about God taking. It's all about God giving. The only thing God takes is to take your sin away when you come to his son. Love is seen in what is given. You see, friend, the depth of God's love is seen here that he gave his only begotten son. His only begotten son. As I have said to you young fellas, you know it's an awful dear hunger getting engaged. I remember the day me and the wife when they look about the engagement ring. Three weeks after I started going out there, that's when I popped the question. And there was no backsliding because she didn't even give me time to change my mind. And we decided 
we would go somewhere to look at the engagement ring. And, and she says to me, where would we go? Will we go to Lungyan? I says, indeed, we'll not go to Lungyan because I can do well known in Lungyan. He says, an embarrassed to on this engagement ring. And I said, but we'll go to Bound Bridge. We'll go to Bound Bridge. Sure. No, oh no, no, she says, I'm too well known Bound Bridge. What about Lisburn? We'll go to Lisburn, neutral ground, nobody knows. And then we went to this jeweler's shop. And the jeweler's shop was packed. Packed with people. And her and I were huddled like this. And the next thing, the queue was getting weird. And there was a crowd going in, and, and we were getting very close to the counter. And I got to the counter. And the wee man with a half rimmed glasses hanging off the end of the nose says, Yes. And I looked, and Tracy, and Tracy looked up at me, and honestly, you know what happened? Both of us burst out laughing. And we ran out of the jeweler's shop. We were running out. They must have thought we were mad. And I says, Tracy, I'm not going back in there. And of course, you ladies, you can turn on the chart. She just looked up and says to me, If you love me. <laughs> and I says, I tell you, I love you, but not come in there. You're going to find somewhere else. And there's a wee jeweler shop in the corner. And she looked through the window and she spied it. She spied the one she wanted. Row free, trendy, I remember to this day. And we walked into the wee jeweler shop, and thanks, thankfully there was nobody there, only another woman just across the way. And I made a dart to the wee man, and he says, uh, I'm very quietly, very quick, uh, he says to me, Yes. He says, Have a thing to see and kiss my friends. Oh, he says, the engagement ring. I whispered, but he didn't whisper. And of course, the one, the other one, the shop. Of course, she would. He would know. She was turning around to see who this was. And I said, "Where is the lucky lady? Where is she?" And there, Tracy come proudest on the world. And he says, "Is there anything that you fancy there?" Yes, there's a tray in the window there. It's tray, row three, tray. And he went. And he got the tray and he brought us into the street corner in the shop. And there was a velvet curtain. It was like going into the holiest of holies. Honestly. And he pulled the curtain back and there was a chair. One chair. One chair. And he gave her the chair. Me the one paying for it. What he gave her the chair. And she sat the train down. She sat the place. He sat the train down. And she was into like a magpie. And pulled the ring out and put it on. And then he got the black velvet out. Oh, he was very professional, very professional. And he got the black velvet out. And he said, Oh, you couldn't have picked a nicer ring. It's beautiful, dear. It's be oh, that really sits well in your finger. And he wasn't looking at the diamonds. He, he was looking at the big price tag. On. And I looked at the price tag and I says, Oh, and he says, It sits well, but it's priced well. And then he says, he says to me, oh, soft soaping me up and me out softly. Now. He says to me, but you know, if you really love that girl, you would pay any price. Eh? And he says, I suppose you're right. So I, he says, of course, when you're a true man, uh, uh, I need this. 
So the next thing was, I had to go to the counter. And I went to the counter and took out the notes. There was no contact list back then. It was all there to keep them, only. Once you do that, right? Cut it out, right? Go to the copper, right? Then you had to get the silver out, the coppers. Just about me. And we left that tutor shop that they went. She left it. Oh, please. And bless. And I left it. Penniless. I broke But wait till I tell you something. I want you now to look in a different direction. I want you now to look to a cross. I want you to see a one crucified to that cross with crown of thorns in his brow, nails in his hands and feet. Well, let me tell you, that's the price God paid to save you because he loves you. Because he loves you. He gave his only begotten son. Real love is not spoken through diamonds. Real love is spoken through a cross. If there was no Calvary, if there was no cross, if there was no Christ, there was no hope for any of us. No hope for any of us. For a moment it was when God gave his only begotten son. Why? Because he loved us. Sinner friend today, God loves you. No man can look to the cross and say, God doesn't love me. He loves you tonight. Because that's what he gave in order for you. And when it comes to Christmas time, and it comes to that wee manger, and when you go to the manger, there's a wonderful message in that manger. You know what it says? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. In that wee manger, there's another message. The Son of God has come to seek and to save that which is love. Why? Because we need saved. And it's because he loved us. You know, friend, tonight who gave us only begotten son. His sufferings, his substitution, his sacrifice was all that had to take tonight to save us from our sins. You see, there was no other good enough to pay the price for sin. And you see, friends, tonight, listen. Listen to me now. No church can save you. And there's no pastor can save you either. We can do nothing for you. The only thing we can do for you tonight is to point you to the one who can and one who must save. Because neither is there salvation in any other. There's no other name under heaven given amongst them whereby we must be saved. But then there's the third gospel great, and I'm going to finish with this one. You see, you've got the gospel, you've got the greatest mystery of all time. The greatest moment of all time. Ah, but well, here you've got the greatest message of all time. Why? Why, George? What does it say? Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You give me a better message than that, I listen to you. Whosoever believeth in him, oh, get this, the greatest scope. Whosoever. 
Thine door is not lemon. Who? So have Does that mean me, Joy? It means you. It doesn't matter to me whether you walk on the falls or Gary's walls. Who? So have Doesn't matter whether you're orange or whether you're green. Because there's no such thing as orange and green in God's sake. It's only black and white. And we're not talking about skin, we're talking about soul. As those who are saved and those that are lost. That's all that in God's sake. Friends of me, what colour are you? Are you black and sintry or white? Or white? White means you've, you've come to Christ. White means you've been washed in the blood of me. Whosoever, whosoever, oh friend, even the one that spat in his face that day could still believe. Even the ones that scorched them could still believe. Even the ones that crucified them could still believe. My goodness, when they nailed him to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they did. But listen, there's not just a greatest scope, there's a greatest step. Whosoever believeth in him. That's the step to me. I'm not asking you to pay me anything. Nobody's asking you to pay anything at all because Jesus paid all. All you're asked to do is to believe. To believe on him. And then look at this. It says believe on him. You're not the only trying to understand it. What are people trying to think? How does that all work out? How does this work? How does just to believe in him? How does that work now? Well, let me put it like this. I can't understand how a brown cow works. How a brown cow can eat green grass and give me white milk. I can't understand how that, how that works. But I tell you this, I put it on my cornflakes in the morning and I love it. That's All you're asked to do is believe in Have a look at the greatest security. Should not perish. That's the greatest security. Should not perish. Friends tonight. None needs perish tonight because there is a Savior who has died. There's a Savior that has rose again. And there's a Savior tonight in this hall. Can't be seen by the natural eye. But he's a Savior in this hall as much as I am. And he's waiting on you. And he's watching on you. To believe tonight. Then there's the greatest Caesar. But have everlasting life. What makes him a great Savior to me is because he loves us. I want to finish one more we in English station that I have seen touch many hearts. That's the story tonight of an old mongrel dog. This family had a son that couldn't be him. No matter what they'd done to that boy, how they punished him, nothing worked. Nothing could break him. All what they'd done to him didn't make one iota to his attitude, it didn't make one iota to his behaviour, 
nothing settled him. And that boy broke his parents' heart till it almost drove the both of them to despair. But this family had a mongrel dog, and you know what a mongrel dog is? It is an old dog with maybe four or five breeds in it. But it was an old mongrel dog, it was 15, the poor thing was near done. But this boy was watching a program on TV one day about how to teach dog to do certain things, and he thought he would take the old mongrel dog out and teach it new tricks. Now you know tonight as well as I do, you can't teach an old dog new tricks because this old mongrel dog could hardly walk, never mind doing anything. He took her to the back of the house, and the old thing followed after him. And the tail wagon, because it thought it was going out for a wee, for a wee walk. And then he began to try and teach this old mongrel dog to do something. But the dog couldn't do it because it was just done. Done. He tried to do it something else, but again, it couldn't do it. It was that old. The other thing was done. The third time he tried to do it something, get him to do something else, and still it wouldn't do it. Couldn't do it. And that wee boy, that boy, lost his temper. And leaning against the wall was an iron bar. And you know what he done with that iron bar? He took that iron bar and he beat that old mongrel dog almost into a pulp. And he left it lying on the ground. And it couldn't pick it, get itself up again. It, he, must have, he hurt its two back, two front paws. So badly it couldn't even get up. And he threw the iron bar down in a temper. Silent dog. And he sat on the stone. There was a stone and he sat on it something with his head in his hands. Disgusted at the old mongrel dog. But you know the old mongrel dog could hardly do anything. But I'll tell you what it did do and managed to do. It had enough power in its hind legs push itself forward. Push itself slowly and in great pain because it was fine. And it done with every ounce of strength that old mongrel dog pushed with its hind legs over to where that boy was sitting. And when that old mongrel dog got to where that boy was sitting, it managed to lift its head up and push its fat nose through that wee boy's hand. And with its blood splattered tongue, it began to lick his face. And it kept licking away, and the face was getting covered in blood. Because the tongue was all cut, but it kept licking on his face, and that boy sat back and looked at it. And he looked into that dog's eyes, the eyes of that old mongrel dog, and you know a dog can say much through its eyes, look. 
And that boy looked into that dog's eyes and through that eye, those eyes, big brown eyes of the old mongrel dog. You know the old mongrel dog was trying to say, I know you've hurt me badly, but no matter how much you've hurt me, I still love you. You know what happened next? That boy jumped up and he ran into the house crying, Oh, mommy, oh, daddy, come quick, I've done something terrible, I've done something terrible. The father and mother came out. And they found the dog lying, the old mother and dog lying on the ground. And just as they came, it breathed its last. And that boy got down to where the old mother and dog was and he hugged it and he pleaded that it was sorry, but it was too late, the old dog was born. But do you know something from that day? That boy was never the same. That boy was never the same. And you know what broke him? It wasn't the parents' punishment. It wasn't the grounds that he got. What broke that boy eventually was the love of an old moral dark. That's what Tell me this. You may be sitting in this hall and they touched in your heart by that story. But does the story of God's love not touch you? When you see Christ hanging on that cross in such pain and agony. And from that cross saying to you tonight, listen down there in the graves back to say, come here because I loved you in order to see you. Friend tonight, just have this stage look this way, please. Please just look this way, and you remember this tonight. That's how God loves you tonight. Don't reject it. He loves you. That's very we word of prayer. Now we're not going to have a closing tonight, we just want to bow in prayer. My friends, this evening, you've heard tonight how much God loves you. There's nothing more God can do in order to save you. Only thing God is doing now is standing waiting you. Come to His Will you receive Him? Receive his love. Don't reject it. Our Father, we pray tonight. And we thank you tonight for your love for each and every one of us. We pray, Lord, tonight that your love will break all of our hearts. Even the hearts of your own people to rekindle our first love again. For those tonight who have never experienced your love in a personal way, we pray, Lord, tonight that you will do that work only you can do within their own heart. We pray.
pray now, Lord, that as we settle down our time of fellowship together, we thank you, Lord, for the food that has been prepared. And if anyone wants to speak to us tonight, give the same grace we pray. And then, Lord, when all is over, bring us to our homes and safety again. In our Saviour's name. Amen.